It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. And guys, we still don't know when the draft is going to be. We don't know how long the draft is going to be. We have general ideas. But uh, we, of course, are doing our preparation, which is not going to be impacted too much by either of those uh, factors. We are currently in the process of expanding our top 100 draft prospects list uh, to 150, and then we will expand it again uh, shortly thereafter to 200. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. We're going to put out the expanded list, aiming to have that out next week. Um, but as you've been, uh, doing your research on, on players, um, first of all, anything that, anything that's jumped out to you, um, we'll, we'll, I think we'll get into, um, some of the top guys here in a minute, but anything that's jumped out to you as you've been doing your preparation for expanding the list? I mean, there've been some guys who've, who've made moves and improved, but I mean, it's, you know, not that this was a shock, but there's just so much uncertainty this year. You know, guys who might have emerged over the course of a season, you know, didn't get that opportunity. You know, I think with the high school guys, it's tough. I mean, especially with a lot of high school pitchers who are projectable and you're hoping they take a step forward and you maybe saw them in a scrimmage or one look, if that. And so you can't really, you know, do much with that. And and then the, the other thing that I've noticed, Jonathan, I don't know if this is true in your half of the country, but I think because – you know, pitchers come out of the gate, their arms are fresh. You know, some cases, the more powerful teams aren't playing great schedules every week weekend when these guys are pitching. There are more guys with just insane strikeout to walk ratios than you normally see. And you also, teams are trying to figure out like, okay, these guys were, you know, throwing a little bit harder than ever. What You know, but would that have lasted over a full season? And you don't know. So it's, I, I guess, a lot of shoulder shrugging going on. Are you getting the same thing, Jonathan? Yeah, there's definitely some head scratching for for a combination of those reasons. I think it's um, it, it is interesting, you know, especially because I have you know the, the Northeast, so those high school arms, especially that <clears throat> normally scouts would be running in to go see now, or as things start to warm up uh, after not having been able to see them, uh, didn't get seen. Uh, you know, I was talking to a national cross checker and he by design sort of started his year out West and never made it East. So um, he's like, well, I can help you with some guys, but you know, I haven't seen a lot of them, you know, since the summer. So I think that's part of it. And yeah, the, the strikeout ratio, especially with, you know, and this isn't like a major, major thing for the top of the draft, but there's some college relievers who are always sort of hard, you know, they, they, they do well because they're safer bets to make it to the big leagues, you know, generally believe they can make it there faster, have some insane numbers, but they haven't been put to the test over the course of a long season. They haven't pitched 
hadn't necessarily pitched in back-to-back games as they would later on the year. So there's there's all that. And I think the only other thing that stands out, and this is nothing new, because if you look at our top 100 from December, when the first six players were all college players, it's very college-heavy uh, up at the very top of the draft. And that would you know is continuing to be the case. And it, you know I don't think it would surprise either of us if there wasn't a high school player taken in the top 10. There's one or two I think it would sneak in there. But largely, uh, it's it's really really college heavy uh, up uh, at the very top. Yeah, and I'd agree with that too. Okay, so let's let's do this. Um, let's have the two of you uh, go through the first twenty picks. Uh, we'll do a, a something of a mock draft here, but uh, you guys will be drafting against each other, um, and we have uh, we've determined that Jonathan had the worst year uh, between the two of you last year. So he has earned the number one pick. Jonathan, did you, did you tank for Torkelson? Yes. I, uh, I purposely got a concussion last year to have a worse year so I could have the right around first this pick time in this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And in, in the, in, in this fake draft that I didn't know we would be having. So yes, you're at, you caught me. Um, and keep in mind that when we go through this exercise, we are picking who we would take, not who we think, say, the Detroit Tigers or the Toronto Blue Jays or the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to take. So people know that, that this isn't, this isn't a projection of what we think that team is going to do. So with that said, with the number one pick, I will take Spencer Torkelson, the first baseman from Arizona State. And it is unusual, you know, right, right, first baseman. Uh, to be the number one overall pick, but uh, I, I, you know, there's a little familiarity bias here because Torkelson is in my half of the country, but uh, this guy is just an unbelievably advanced hitter with tremendous power. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. Uh, I've had several scouts tell me that they think he could easily handle an outfield corner if you wanted to move him there. Um, maybe even try him at third base. So he's not necessarily a first baseman only, although he probably ends up at first base and, and is very good there. But, um, you know, people like to compare him to last year's college first baseman, Andrew Vaughn. And most people like Torkelson better. Uh, and, and Vaughn obviously was one of the top picks of last year's draft. So I'll take the, the bat and it's not going to take him very long to, to make it to my, my big league team. So with the first pick overall, Jonathan Mayo selects first baseman Spencer Torkelson from Arizona State University. And Jim Callis, you are on the clock. See, I think if you want to make this sound official, Jason, you need to give us their draft or redraft numbers as you uh, announce <laughs> picks for each guy. But um, yeah, my pick, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, um, I'm also going to take a position player. I think even though it's a very good year for college pitchers, we're going to see some position players from college go off the board pretty quick. Um, I would have taken Austin Martin with the number one overall pick. I, you know, I went back and forth. And I was actually talking to a, a scouting official about this, like about who he liked better between Martin and Torkelson. And I mean, they're different types of players, which is what makes it kind of an interesting discussion. It, it really was very similar. I made the comment that it was similar to like when we were talking about last week, you want Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who has the greater offensive impact 
or would you want Wander Franco, who's going to have a lot of offensive impact and can beat you in, in some other ways too? And I think that's somewhat the argument between Torkelson and Martin. You know, Martin, I think teams were kind of hoping to see him at shortstop for Vanderbilt this year, um, but he began the year at third base because they have Carter Young, who's a slick fielding freshman at shortstop, and he wound up in center field. Um, you know, I think Austin Martin can wind up in the middle of the infield, or middle of the diamond somewhere. He's probably the best pure hitter in this draft. He doesn't have Torkelson's power. Um, you know, he's, he's got, you know, speed, he's got savvy on the base pass. He has a lot more defensive utility. You know, I, I think both these guys wind up being, you know, comparable. If you're going to judge players like by war, that's the be all end all numbers say that they probably produce similar war. They just do it in different manners. All right. Uh, Jonathan Mayo, third overall pick. Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, that's right in terms of comparing the two of them. And you could argue either one of them, and it's going to depend on sort of what where your interest lies, what you think you need. Um, I I'm going to go to the mound now, and I think really at this point in time, it, it's a choice between Emerson Hancock of Georgia, who was our number one prospect uh, in in December, and Asa Lacy, the lefty from Texas A and M. Um, I would sort of put the two of them a, a, a shade ahead of uh, some of the other college arms. And I think I'm going to go with Asa Lacey, who just broke out of the gate this year uh, incredibly well. Um, you know, 6'4 lefties don't grow on trees. I think he, you know, he's got a chance to have three-plus pitches when all is said and done with, with good command. Uh, you know, I think any time that you can get a lefty who – has a chance to be uh, close to the top of the rotation kind of guy and, and a you know, total four-pitch mix, it's hard to pass up. So with a third pick, Jonathan Mayo selects Texas A&M left-hander Lisa AC. And Jim, I'm guessing uh, you've got to be uh, – or, or maybe, uh, maybe a, a month or so ago, you would have been surprised to have Emerson Hancock available at, at number four. Is that who you're taking here? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would have been surprised. I will, I will be the contrarian. I know that's a shock for me to, to refute what you no. did. That. But uh, I, I never thought, like, well, I mean, maybe between me and Jonathan. In real life, like, I, I always thought the Tigers were going hitter. But I, I too, would take Asa Lacey slightly over Emerson Hancock right now if, if, if I had the third pick. Um, he just was sharper. Than Hancock was at the beginning of the season. And, and, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about at the top. I, I don't think people are really going to base the pick much in part on how these guys looked. You know, th- that's not going to be the big thing, you know, four starts this year. I mean, I think the difference between the two this year is that, you know, talking to scouts, you know, Hancock looked fine. Um, you know, it's still, you know, top of the rotation stuff. I, I still see a lot of, a lot of parallels between him and Casey Mize who went number one in the draft a couple of years ago, the Tigers, but kind of you know, like his fastball command wasn't as sharp as it was, you know, at the beginning of last year when he was probably the best pitcher in college baseball in the first half of the season. Um, his slider wasn't as sharp, but everybody knows those are in there. Um, you know, you got the lefty righty thing. You know, Hancock got shut down with, you know, minor injury concern last year. Asa Lacey's got a cleaner bill of health. So, yeah, I, I would lean towards Asa Lacey. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, it, it's interesting with these, with, with Martin versus Torkelson, 
Lacey versus Hancock. I don't think there's a, a right answer, Jonathan. If you're talking who's the best hitter, who's the best pitcher, there's no consensus. Like last year, clearly the best position player in the draft, and there were some good ones, was Adley Rutschman. Like, like we all knew that. This year, I think it's kind of a matter of taste. You know, what type of you know position player profile do you like a little bit more? What type of pitcher profile do you like a little bit more? Um, it makes it interesting, but I, I don't think there's a clear consensus in baseball uh, on either one of those subjects. No, I would agree with that. Absolutely. All right. Number five pick goes to Jonathan. Well, here's where things for me get a little bit interesting, I think. Because um, I think you could go in – a couple of different directions. Um, you know, there's really good college bats, both with very, you know, well, maybe not minor question marks. And Nick Gonzalez and Garrett Mitchell, both are from, from my half of the country. I think there are some, some other really good, uh, really good college arms that, you know, that, that could come into play. So I think that's probably what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to go college arm here, and the question is, which of the college arms do I want to go with? You can see I'm hemming and hawing because I'm, I'm having a hard, uh, hard time figuring out who it is that I want to take. Um, I think you're probably coming to my half of the country too. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, I, I, w- I, w- I would be, which is you know why I'm. You know what? I'm gonna. I took the lefty the last time. I'm going to take the righty. I'm going to take Max Mayer uh, from Minnesota. Um, he, he, he's probably making – he's going to make one of – you know, not the largest jump, but you know, we had him in the 20s, I think, in December. He's going to jump up toward the upper top of the, of the, of the first round. He was off to a very good start. Not the biggest guy in the world. So I, I think some people may question that, but uh, I like, I, I like the, the, the stuff – that he brings to the table and um, liking my future rotation with him and Lacey in it. Yeah. That, I mean, Max Meyer has the best slider in the draft. He's one of the best fastballs in the draft. And, and you're right. You know, he, he is like a six foot right-hander, but he's super athletic. This is a guy who, who's played two ways for Minnesota. And I think he's got a better chance to be a starter than your typical six foot right-hander in terms of durability. Cause he's so athletic and the worst case, Jonathan, is, you know, when you talk starter versus reliever, the worst case is <laughs> this guy's a closer. It's not like he, if he can't make it as a starter, he's like pitching the sixth inning. So I, I, I like the, uh, I like the Max Meyer pick. I mean, he was, he was spectacular early on. Both, both your pitchers have 46 to eight strikeout to walk ratios. So I clearly know what you're going for. At least so far. Sure. Mayor was uh, number 24 on our, preseason uh, top 100 list, by the way. Uh, all right. That is pick number five. Jim, you're on the clock for pick number six. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I My first two picks have been kind of like I knew I was going to get Torkelson or Martin, whichever one Jonathan didn't take. And then I knew I was going to get Hancock or Lacey, whichever one Jonathan didn't take. Um, and I thought I might be – you know, getting whichever college bat Jonathan didn't take. I'm going to take Nick Gonzalez here. Um, He's playing shortstop for New Mexico State. I I, I don't think he's a shortstop, um, really. Um, You know, I I think he's kind of an average second baseman at best. I mean, this is a guy who, 
had, you know, crazy, you know, numbers last year. I think his ops was over 1300, you know, and it's New Mexico state. So you have the questions about elevation and is it real? Well, he went to the Cape Cod league with wood bats against great competition and was MVP and just tore the Cape Cod league up. And when I was doing, you know, our kind of a preview of the top college players for the draft last summer, everybody was telling me, this is the guy who helped himself more than anybody else. And then now, you know, it is a great place to hit New Mexico state. He had 12 home runs this year in about 15 games before everything got shut down, you know, which, which kind of shows, but I mean, this guy could be, you know, I, I think he's a Keston hero type and we all saw how quick Keston hero got to the big leagues with his bat. You know, I think he's that same type of guy. He can play second base enough to stay there. It won't be, you know, a gold glove second baseman, but I think this guy's really, really going to hit. Um, so I'm going to take, you know, I liked all the bats Jonathan kind of alluded to, but I'll take the guy who's going to stay on the dirt, and I'll take uh, I'll take Nick Gonzalez. All right, six picks, six college players off the board, as you uh, both kind of predicted before we got into this. Jonathan, number seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the run going and make it seven. And in this case, you know, Jim was saying how he got to take whoever I didn't take, and I'm gonna flip that script now and. Gonzalez made me pause just for that one second because of where he hits. I have DJ Peterson stuck in my brain, maybe because we were just doing something on most type third baseman. Um, you know, he was from University of New Mexico and New Mexico State maybe an even better hitter's part. Uh, but I agree. I think he's going to hit. I'm going to take Garrett Mitchell from UCLA, who, ha- you know, has the best collection of total tools uh of anyone in the, in the draft class. Uh, and he can, he really can do everything. He's a pure center fielder. He's really good out there. He can really run. He's going to hit for average and power. He's got a good approach. I mean, it's, it's, it's all five tools in a, in a college performer and was off you know, to a good start. Um, even people who weren't sure about him had kind of already bought him, you know, based on this fall and the beginning of the spring. Now, the one question with Garrett Mitchell is that he is a type one diabetic. And that is a question that teams will have to feel they have answered before taking him this high in the draft. There's not a lot of history out there of players like him, everyday players who managed type one diabetes. Sam Fold comes to mind, but Sam Fold wasn't, uh, you know, a, a power guy that, you know, there are more things that Garrett Mitchell can do. Now, Garrett Mitchell has been dealing with this for a very long time. He's been very open about it. Uh, I remember talking to him in high school about it. I, I feel confident that he will be able to, to manage it and has, has done so, so far, but no one knows what that looks like when he's trying to play 140 games, but I'm willing to take the chance. This can be for either one of you, Jonathan, you just took him here in our, in our draft, but uh, five-tool college performer, as you summed him up. Does he remind you of anyone uh, from recent drafts, or does he get comps to anyone from, from recent drafts, or, or maybe not even so recent? Asking the dreaded comp question. Yeah, well, it's not even – it's, 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 it's a dreaded comp question along with the auto, automatic recall of anything that happened more than 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, I'm, I'm coming up blank. I'm trying to think of toolsy college guys. Um, 
Jason, did you have someone in your head when you asked the question? No, I was just curious whether uh, whether anyone jumped in mind or if you'd heard any, any comps because that, that sounds like, you know, it sounds like you were saying that that's something of a rarity, um, five-tool type of college performer, uh, whereas usually you either have kind of the tooled-up guys who don't perform or performers without the tools. Um, you can take a pass. Um, you know what? Uh I'll give you, it's not exactly, but Hunter Bishop from last year, a little bit. I don't think they're the same player at all. Hunter Bishop, I think, is more pure, you know, there's more sort of power there. But he was a guy who was super athletic, um, you know, was a football player who kind of decided a little bit last minute to to focus on baseball. Um, so that's a guy from last year's draft class who – jumps to mind as a, as it is. A, and I think it is a rarity to have a guy coming out of the college ranks who checks off all the tools boxes. You know who I think his game kind of resembles a little bit is, um, you know, just from a tool standpoint. And, and this is a, as a high school guy, but um, like he, his game is not dissimilar to Royce Lewis's. Um, you know, I, you know, he hits left-handed Royce hits right. But I think in terms of, of, of the, the bat and the power and the speed. And, and you know, Royce is a shortstop, but he, he you know, very well could wind up in the outfield. And we saw him there in the fall league. I, I think he, he kind of has those types of, you know, it's not the best comp in the world, but I think it's, it's, it's you know, they're, they're kind of built similarly. Um, he's he's kind of like if Royce Lewis becomes a center fielder, you know, Garrett Lewis has tools in that same mold. You even just called him Garrett Lewis accidentally. So oh, did I? Really- there you go. Well, Royce Mitchell and Garrett Lewis. You can't <laughs> tell them apart. So, well, what about uh, what about Bradley Zimmer? I think he's a lot faster than. Well, not a lot. I think he's at least a full grade quicker than Bradley Zimmer. Yeah, like, like yeah I mean, can run really well. Yeah, Mitchell's a 70, 70 runner, um, but Zimmer can play center. I think. I want to say there was a little more swing and miss concerns with with Zimmer when he was coming out. Um, but I don't think that's terrible as a, as a college guy with, with all five tools. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to pick number eight, Jim. Okay. I'm going to, again, I mean, I, I'll, I'll play the draft here a little bit because there are a couple pitchers I'm interested in, but I know I'm getting at least one of them. So I will take the last Bat, I believe, worthy of a top ten selection, and, and take Zach Veen, who Jonathan had mentioned. He's he's made a similar leap like Max Meyer has among the pitchers. Um, from he's done that among the hitters as a guy who we had ranked in the bottom third of the first round, who now is going to go in the top ten picks. I I'd, I'd be very surprised, you know, as of now, and there's maybe not a whole lot that'll change if he's not the first high school player taken. And, you know, it's interesting, like, cause Jonathan, you know, this was not a guy who was at the PDP league last year. So I, we didn't get to see Zach Veen at the PDP league. And I remember when I was working on stuff for the Under Armour game where he did play and I was getting a lot of really good information. I'm like, this guy sounds really good. And I mean, there, there were more famous outfielders like Pete Crow Armstrong and Dylan Cruz last summer and, and even Austin Hendrick. Um, but, you know, I, I just think Zach Veen, this is a guy who, who's really going to hit. He's going to have power as well. I, I think he's the best combination hit and power in the high school crop. And he's not, I mean, the rest of it, I think, is kind of fives. You know, it's not plus run or plus arm, but like it, it's not like he's, 
you know, left field, you know, guy who can't, can't run at all. And I, I think there are some parallels between him. He, he's kind of similar to what Riley Green was last year. You know, another high school outfielder from, from Florida who, you know, was the best pure hitter in his draft. Um, and, and I think Zach Veen has kind of a, a similar projection to his game. And, and Riley Green obviously got off to a very good start with the Tigers. So I, I'm taking, I'm taking uh, Zach Veen, and I will let you determine which pitcher I wind up taking it to. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that, that you would go pitcher there so I could take Veen. Um, but, uh, so be it. Um, I, uh, you know, he's interesting and, you know, depending on who you talk, I think Veen come came into the year, uh, where people thought he was a little more athletic than green last year yep. kind of showed that he was more athletic. So if people, the people who really are all in on Veen are, you know, talking Christian Yelich type comps, um, I'm not, you know, saying that that's who he's going to become, but that's the, the sort of high end. Uh, Cause Jason, I know you love the comps. Um, all right. So I will go college and I think what I'm going to do is, you know, what I think now that back to the arms, the guy that I was kind of hoping you would take so I could take Veen is Reed Detmers, but I don't, I don't, I don't mind building out my rotation here. I got another, Another strong college lefty, um, you know, with uh, with good stuff, really good control. Um, reminds some people of Brandon McKay on the mound. Stuff maybe not as good, but plenty good enough for me. Um, you know, fastball curve uh, could be changed. Change uh, could be plus. Sorry, changeup could be plus. I, I think. Uh, you know, he, for me, was the, the next college arm worth taking. So uh, I'm happy to, to add him. Who do you think I'm taking here, Jonathan? Who, who's your projection in your mock draft for pick 10? Oh, man, really? Because you, you, you're not, I'm going to say that you're going to take Garrett Crochet. And, and you would be correct. And he, he's an interesting one because, you know, I, I think coming into the year or coming into the, after last season, I should say, yeah, he was 91-95 in the spring for most of the spring you know, some good spin rates, you know, good slider, all that, you know, he was probably, you know, second, third round type of guy. And then in the fall, he was just ridiculous. He was 96 to a hundred. Um, his slider was harder. His changeup was a plus pitch at times. I mean, he just dealt and everybody who went and saw him was like, this guy's going to be top 10 pick. So then you come to the spring and he did not pitch the first three weeks of the season. You know, nobody, you know, nobody has medical reports right now or a handle on it exactly what it was. Um, you know, I think it was it, the, the, the belief is it was more minor and precautionary that they decided to kind of hold him out for the long haul of the season, which wound up not being played. But he only pitched one game this spring and and they it was not announced he was going to pitch that day. So you only saw Garrett Crochet if you happened to be at that game. People didn't get a chance to plan to go in and see him. Now his velocity was very good. It was three innings. You know, it wasn't a long look. Like I said, the, the, the tricky thing with him is if you take him at 10, like, like I'm doing here in this exercise, you're believing that the guy you saw in the fall, you know, that's the real Garrett Crochet. And 
you just didn't get a, you didn't get a chance to see him have you know did that was that stuff going to hold up all year you know we don't know so that, that that there's probably a little bit more risk with him uh, with that pick you know probably you know I'd say he's the riskiest of the guys we've picked you know I, I could have gone maybe with a safer college bat like a, a Heston Kerstad or, or Patrick Bailey or 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 gone bold and, and you know taken a high school pitcher but I, I will take Garrett Crochet here. All right, that's three college lefties off the board in the top 10 picks. Uh, Jonathan, number 11. Jonathan really mulling it over. <laughs> he's, he's watching some extra video on Synergy right now to get, a, get one more look at a guy. That's right. Him here. That's right. You should have just heard me waxing eloquent while I had myself muted. It was awesome. Um, so I am, uh, am going to go the high school route, but I'm going to go bat not arm. And for me, like it comes down to, to two high school outfielders. And I, and I am torn between the hometown guy uh, and the guy who was probably my favorite hitter over the summer. But I think I'm going to be a homer and I'm going to take Austin Hendrick right here from the Pittsburgh area. Um, and the funny thing is, is that over the summer, Jim saw Austin Hendrick really, really good in the PDP league. And I saw struggling Austin, Austin Hendrick. And I think he has a tendency to listen to people too much. And once he gets into pro instruction, he's going to take off. I mean, it's unbelievable bat speed. It's crazy raw power. Um, I mean, I had someone even compare him to Bryce Harper in terms of, uh, now he doesn't have the now power that Harper had coming out, but in terms of, I mean, same sort of violence and hard swing and things like that, but the, that power is legitimate. Uh, he's a decent athlete. He's a good, good enough outfielder. Um, I, I think he's going to end up being a really good run producer, and I think he's going to figure out, uh, you know, sort of consistency and approach, and that will allow him to tap into that power. So happy to have the the Pittsburgher on my on my squad. All right, that's pick number eleven, and Jim, you're on the clock with pick number twelve. Yeah, I'm gonna go for some position scarcity here. Yeah, became speak position scarcity is what I'm trying to say here. I'm gonna take Patrick Bailey, the catcher from North Carolina State. I, I think he's the consensus best catcher in this draft. Um, I'm not reaching for him. He's gonna go right around this range. Uh, and what I like about him is, is it, it, this isn't like it's bad over defense or defense over bat. You know, he he can do both sides of the game. You know, it's power over hit. But I, I think you could be looking at a 20-plus homer catcher. He's a switch hitter. He makes enough contact to, to, to get to that power. Um, you know, cleaned up his receiving a little bit this spring. He's got a solid-to-plus arm. And, and I, I just think, it, it, you know, the, the whole package is pretty good. I mean, he even moves pretty well for a catcher. He's a 40-runner. Not that, That's why I'm taking him at 12. But uh, I, I'm taking Patrick Bailey. And we'll see, but Patrick Bailey might be the only catcher who goes in our top 20 picks. There are some other possibilities, but I think there's a good chance he might be the only one. You realize now that I'm going to have to take a catcher before we're done, just to prove you wrong. Well, maybe I, I mean, that's part of my draft strategy. I'm trying to reverse psychology you huh. into taking guys so I can get other guys to fall to me. You never know. Fair enough. I'm, I'm mostly stalling to try to decide what I want to do next here. Um, that's a good pick. It's a good pick. Well, go ahead and take another Pennsylvania high schooler, Jonathan. You could no. one out there. You're the one who could go here. I'm not going to. That's the other end of the state, by the way. I don't feel any 
strong Jeez. geographic pull to Nick Bitsko, who Pennsylvania that's xenophobe Jonathan Mayo, uh, uh, disdaining right. disdaining the other part of the state. Well, well, people tend to forget about Western Pennsylvania, so it's uh, it's more that than anything else. But to be honest with you, if I'm going to take a high school arm, he's not the high school arm that I'm I would take. Um, so I think I will take a high school arm, but it's going to be from Jim's neck of the woods. And I'm going to take Jared Kelly, a high schooler from Texas. Um, you know, he kind of checks off a lot of the boxes, six foot three. There's some projection there. He's got plenty of velocity. Uh, you know, he's got good secondary stuff already, uh, which I think sort of sets him apart with decent control. So it's a combination of stuff and control. Um, I know that he didn't, you know, jump out of the gate, setting the world on fire, but, uh, it was very, very brief. Um, both then and then like in, in the area code games. Um, so, but I still like the combination of his, his size stuff and feel for pitching. So he is my pick here. So last year, I believe the first, prep right-hander off the board was Quinn Priester in the, with the 18th pick. Um, so it, does this look like we're shaping up for another, another year where uh, prep right-handers are, are down a bit? Well, I don't even think they're down. I, I just think that the industry in prep right-handers and prep catchers are probably the two scariest demographics for teams to take in the first round from a historical standpoint. Um, I do think we have three good high school right-handers between Jared Kelly and Mick Abel and Nick Bitsko. The, the problem, the problem is, is that so Jared Kelly, who had maybe the best area code game performance in years on the mound, you know, like, not that you're going to hold what happened at the beginning of the season against him, but like he, he wasn't, he was good. He wasn't great. Um, and that's your last look at him. You don't get any more looks. Compare that to Mick Abel, who I'm going to go out on a limb. Jonathan does Oregon, so I haven't talked to people up there. I'm going to guess that Oregon probably hasn't started its high school season, or if they have. He threw I mean, once. Yeah, I mean, you get one look at him. He was really good at the PDP last year. And then Nick Bitsko is tough because he reclassified, and he's right there with those guys. But last summer – he was supposed to be a junior this year, so you wouldn't have borne down on him. And even if you did, you were getting one or two innings looks at him in, in showcases. And Nick Bitsko threw a bullpen. That, that, that was his some of his work this spring. So if you're trying to figure out Nick Bitsko, you don't have a whole lot of history with him. So I think it's more the oddity uh, of the circumstances of this year and a general reluctance to take high school right-handers anyway. I mean, because a year ago, I mean, Matt Allen could have gone – ahead of Quinn Priester. I mean, he was a good arm and he wound up going in the third round for, for, for a variety of reasons related to signability. So I, I don't think it's a condemnation of, of the right-handers in this class. It's just kind of a weird, uh, you know, we like there's weird circumstance and people are kind of afraid of them anyway. While Jim was talking, another track in his mind was preparing for his next pick. Jim. Uh, I knew who I was picking. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of my picks as we're going, I'm going to stay on the position scarcity train here and I'm going to take the best shortstop in this draft because I, I think Nick Gonzalez is a second baseman but anyway and I'm gonna have a really nice up the middle here I've got Patrick Bailey catcher Austin Martin in center Nick Gonzalez at second base and I'm gonna take Ed Howard at shortstop um Illinois kid 
Jonathan knows I'm much too competitive to take him just because I'm an Illinois homer or anything. I'm, I'm taking him because I want him here. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, they, you know, it's, it's funny. He's, he, he is the best shortstop in this year's draft. It, it's not, you know, I mean, last year we had two outstanding shortstops who went in the first six picks and Bobby Witt and CJ Abrams. He doesn't have that kind of ceiling, but he could be, you know, fifties, 55s across the board with with a plus defense uh, at shortstop. Um, you know, this is a guy, you know, kind of good human interest. He was on that Jackie Robinson West team that went to the little league world series finals in 2014. Um, good swing, good approach, hard contact. He's six foot two. So there's going to be some strength in there. Solid runner. Smooth defense. This guy's definitely staying at shortstop. High baseball IQ, um, and it's it's interesting. Like they're, you know, I'm you know Nick Gonzalez. Like I said, is going to be a second baseman. Austin Martin never played shortstop this year. Casey Martin at Arkansas got off to a terrible start. I mean, Ed Howard's probably the only true shortstop who gets taken in the first round whenever we have the draft. All right, Jonathan, you're up with pick number fifteen. Yeah, so the one guy that's jumping out to me, there's a college outfielder on the board here who I think in in reality probably would go by now, right? Don't Jim? Don't you think Heston Kirstad probably would? He would does. Uh, though my, my my mock draft has you going elsewhere. My yeah. Well, your mock draft. My is, mock draft has you taking an outfielder, a high school outfielder here. Yeah. He is my favorite, and I could get both of it. He was the guy I was thinking taking it at 11. So, um, you know what? I'm going to make Jim look smart, which is pretty much what I do on a daily basis. Um, I am going to take Robert Hassel. I'm assuming that's the high school outfielder you were referring to, Jim? Yeah. Oh, man, I just – I uh, yeah, there is definitely familiarity bias, but, you know, he is well thought of one of the best pure hitters. Um, for me, he's like a little bit more like Riley Green just because of the pure hit tool. Um, he can just – he just really, really can hit. He had a really good summer. PDP League, he made so much loud contact, even his outs. He's a good outfielder. He's got a really good arm. I mean, he's actually pretty good on the mound. Um, you know, he, he's, he's not going to pitch at the next level. Uh, he's really competitive. I, I really like guys who can hit, um, and I was very tempted to to take him much earlier uh, because I believe in his bat so much. All right, so uh, that is – he was number 16 on our preseason top 100 list. I believe that leaves us with um, three – was it four, four players from the preseason top – 15 that have not been taken so far. And obviously these rankings are going to uh, potentially change considerably once the list expands to 150 next week. Uh, we have four, uh, five picks left here in our uh, little mock draft between Jim and Jonathan. Uh, Jim, number 16, are you going to, you going to hit somebody uh, from the top 15 of our preseason top 100 or someone who. I am. I, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the guy that, you know, We'll probably go a couple picks before that. I mean, look, I mean, we've, we've got two high school pitchers and we've got two Arkansas hitters. And, you know, Casey Martin, 
got off to a terrible start this spring, and he's probably not going to go in the first round now. Um, but Heston Kerstad at Arkansas got off to a great start this year. Um, he's produced, he, he had 31 home runs in his first two seasons. I think among the college crop, he might have the best raw power this side of Spencer Torkelson. And he hits left-handed, Torkelson hits right. So I'm going to call him the best college, best lefty college power hitter in this draft. You know, it, it's a little bit of a complicated swing, but he makes it work. You know, he, he's a bigger guy, you know, 6'3", 205, you know, runs close to average. You know, he's going to be a corner guy. But, you know, this, this is a, a college power bat with a track record of production. Um, I'm happy to get him here. And, and he, he will probably – yeah, we're, we're, we're still kind of, you know, combining the list and, and get some feedback. But my guess is, you know, Kerstad ranked 13th coming into the year. He might move up a spot or two when, uh, when we have the top 150 come out. Jonathan, back to you. Pick number 17. I was literally doing a Dave DeBusher. I just got Patrick Ewing NBA lottery fist pump. Okay. Just excited. Cause okay. I'm going to take, I'm taking Mick Abel, who was our, you know, back in December was number eight on the list. Uh, you know, Jim referred to him, you know, how good he was over the summer. Great combination of stuff and control. Um, good life on all of his pitches. Again, <clears throat> no looks really, uh, you know, over the the spring. He came out early, but he looked much more physical. Um, he touched 99. It was a very, very brief look. I'm not saying that suddenly he's got an 80 fastball, but there's more in the tank there. Um, you know, the arm is fairly fresh. I just, the, the, the projection and the stuff and the feel for pitching and how competitive he was. Um, I really liked him over the summer. Uh, the fact that I'm getting a guy that I consider it's, you know, top half of the first round, kind of talent at number 17 makes me very, very happy. All right. Jim Callis, your uh, second to last pick here. Well, I'm going to continue to clean out top 15 guys. And, and, and I feel the same way about Nick Bitsko. Um, you know, I, I would have taken Mick Abel. You know, and I do think if you're not afraid to take high school right-handers, you can get good values uh, in them. And, you know, look, you know, I, people didn't get a big look at, at Bitsko, but it's funny because, Jonathan, you know how this works, too. When it, when it became apparent, you know, there were rumors when we were doing the list, it wasn't official yet, that Bitsko was going to reclassify. And guys were saying, he's every bit as good as Jared Kelly, Mick Abel. He's right there with those guys. Like, the, the, you know, he, he belongs right at the top. You know, some guy, you know, you know how hyperbole works. Some guys are even like, he's better than Kelly and Abel. And now it's going to, we're going to hear from a lot of people, well, we didn't really get a chance to see Nick Bitsko. Well, I mean, based on, on what we have, you know, what we have seen, what people said when they saw it, I'll take Nick Bitsko here and be very happy. 6'4", 220, it's, it, it's a great body. It's plus fastball, plus curveball, feel for changeup, throw strikes, I, I really don't see any red flags here. Um, you know, I think you're going to have, you know, three, you know, at least solid and, and maybe, you know, maybe three plus pitches that he, that he strike they throws for strikes and commands well, and he's got the body to hold up. So I, I'm taking Nick, Nick Bitsko here at, at, what is this pick 18? Is that where we are, Jason? That is correct. That is pick number 18 and our third high school right-hander in the past uh, six picks. 
Jonathan, you're on the board for your final pick. Yeah, and this is a time where you start seeing the top high school arms, even if they they tend to historically sort of filter down a little bit, unless there's a you know a, 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 an off clear choice for the very top of the draft uh, from the high school ranks. So it makes sense that we'd have a little run there. So I'm torn between I'm going to go high school bat here, and I'm kind of torn between uh, proving Jim wrong. Uh, which I know was his, you know, he said he was, you know, aiming to do that uh, or or taking an outfielder. So I think I'm going to prove Jim wrong. and I'm going to take Tyler Soderstrom, uh, high school catcher. High school catching's tough. Um, and there are, you know, he's not a slam dunk. Oh, there's no doubt he can catch kind of guy. I'm buying the bat here. Uh, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, he can really, really hit. He's going to hit uh, for average. There's plenty of power there. And you know what? He's actually pretty athletic. So if it doesn't work behind the plate, I have no problem putting him out in left field, maybe even let him play third. Um, I think the athleticism gives him more of a chance to catch than some people think. And you know, people in the area think he's got a, a decent chance to catch. But if you wanted to, you know, move the bat quicker, because I think it's going to play pretty quickly, I, I think he's going to be more than fine at, at another position um, and, and let that bat carry him up, uh, up the ladder. I like that pick. I, I agree with all that. I would have taken him at 19 as well. But, Jason, when, when, I, when you hear Tyler Soderstrom, does that jog a memory from you from last July? From last July. Last July. Does it jog a memory? Are we talking uh, PDP? No. This was a memory you experienced firsthand. (laughs) Um, It's not not, uh, PDP All-Star Game or high school home run derby? Well, well, I mean, it could be PDP All-Star Game. It it could be All-Star Game related. Uh, What what am I missing here? Okay, you and I, what is the best meal we had when we were in Cleveland? (laughs) Yes, okay. We went to Mabel's Barbecue. Was it Mabel's? That was a place, right? I think yeah, I, I was trying to put something on the field. Yeah, it, it was so good. And, and when we walked in, we ran into Steve okay. Soderstrom, Tyler's dad, former number six overall pick out of Fresno State back in my early Baseball America days, and his advi- advisor, Garrett Parcell. And we had to wait a little bit for our table, and they both promised us it would be worth it. And it was that, that might have been my best baseball travel related meal of 2019. Yeah. We should have, we might need to move Tyler up, uh, up our, uh, our rankings because of this story. Yes. So anyway, wait, wait. I'm hungry right now too. And I'm just thinking of how good that meal was. And we made the good, we made a very good decision rather than each. I think we shared, didn't we? We got stuff to share so we could get more meats and sides and it was definitely the way to go. So I, I want to you put a, like a 65 on it. Yeah, it was at least a 60. I, I, you, it, it was definitely well above Yeah, it, it was really, really good. But uh, anyway, I, I digress. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm missing barbecue. I have been unable to go to my favorite barbecue place here uh, in the area. And uh, so it's making me hungry thinking of that. But I, I will finish this draft. And it's interesting. I, this is almost my toughest pick. I, and I guess I'm going to approach this from the standpoint of there's a lot of college pitchers I could take here. But if the draft continued, 
there's probably six or eight college pitchers who could go in the next 10 or 12 picks. So I'm going to go outside that for value. And I'm going to gamble a little bit here because I did not see this guy at his best last summer. And a lot of guys didn't. And he was probably the most famous high school player going into the summer. But I'm going to go ahead and take Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, I, I, I think he's going to hit. Uh, I think... You know, there's some questions on the power, but he can run, he can throw, he can play center field. I, I think he's a better hitter than what I saw, and maybe he gets to more of his raw power because he's such a good hitter. You know, maybe it's maybe it's average power at best, but I, I think this guy's going to be an asset in center field, um, and he's going to hit. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Pete Crow Armstrong here. Um, you know, this has been interesting. I, I, I we were not trying to line this up for teams. I don't know where the high school right-handers are going to go exactly, Jonathan. We haven't tried to do a mock draft. It it's still feels way too early because it could be three months away, um, and teams don't know anything about signability, and they haven't done prep list. But, but all that aside, I think we had guys go roughly in the draft where they're going to go. I, I don't think we did anything outlandish. No, nothing outlandish. And, and, and Pete Crow Armstrong was the other guy I was looking at. It was him or Soderstrom. And he, you know, the, the benefit of playing in Southern California is that he did play earlier this spring and got seen and looked much more like the guy uh, from, la- from a year ago um, th- than the guy who people saw this summer who was kind of up and down at best. So he, he definitely has an up arrow next to his name. I think that'll be reflected when we put our rankings out. Uh, so this is about the right spot for him. No, that's a good pick. So a quick breakdown of the top 20 picks here. Uh, three high school pitchers taken, all right-handers. Uh, five college pitchers taken. Six high school hitters and six college hitters. So uh, pretty uh, pretty even across the board in terms of uh, demographic breakdown. Yeah, I mean, I think the strength of this draft is probably college pitchers, or that's the deepest part of the draft. And it's possible that we may see some of those, those guys maybe go in the 17 to 20 range over the high school guys we took. But um, I like th- – this was a good exercise. It, it was a good thought process here. I, I like this. Yeah, it got me a little more excited um, to, to dig in as we're – you know, Jim and I are uh, figuring out the top 200 and, and, you know, making updates to these guys who are already on the top 100, obviously, and then all the guys that were filling in behind them. So – um, little little bit of draft fever, I would say, after after going through this. I will uh, I'll pocket these draft results and we'll go back in uh, fifteen years and see who won this draft. Sounds like a plan. It looks pretty even to me, so we'll, we'll, we'll I'll look forward to that in two thousand thirty five, Jason. So <laughs> I'll put it on my calendar. All right, guys, thanks very much. Uh, Thanks to everyone for listening in. Again, we will have our expanded top draft prospects list out next week, and then we'll expand it once more from 150 to 200 a couple weeks after that. So stay tuned to MLBPipeline.com for that. Uh, Thanks again for joining us for another edition of the Pipeline Podcast, and we will see you next week.